Hello, and thank you for listening. This is Eric Anderson. I am Vice President of U.S. Capital Formation for Toronto Stock Exchange and TSX Venture Exchange, based here in Dallas, Texas. Welcome to TMX Presents, the podcast. This is where we have conversations with capital market leaders from around the world and gain insights from the influential decision makers and visionary entrepreneurs helping to shape the future business landscape. But before we get into the podcast today, I'd like to give a brief overview of how Toronto Stock Exchange and the TSX Venture Exchange are increasingly becoming a viable capital option for high growth U.S. companies. Last year, 19 U.S. companies listed on TSX and TSXV and chose what we call the public venture capital route as an alternative to the private venture capital in a difficult market. This year, the pipeline continues to be strong in another challenging capital markets year. And one of those companies is featured on our podcast today. I'm excited to introduce you to Justin Kenna, CEO of GameSquare Holdings. GameSquare is a vertically integrated international digital media, entertainment, and technology company, which leverages an audience of over 290 million followers. GameSquare's leading audience and platform enables global brands to connect with gaming and youth culture audiences. Welcome, Justin. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Eric. Good to be here. Yeah, pleasure. So everybody wants to know, let's talk about the origin story. We want to hear about Justin. The man, can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little about your background, how you first got introduced to entrepreneurship. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Australian, which you can probably tell from my my accent, but I've been over in the States for about eight and a half years. I was living predominantly in Los Angeles and recently moved to Dallas as part of sort of post-acquisition with complexity and We'll jump into some of that as we move forward. But, you know, having Jerry Jones is one of our, our biggest shareholders. If Jerry tells you to move to Dallas, then you then you move to <laughs> Dallas. So here I am. But, yeah, my background's a, a little varied. I worked more so in sort of professional services. I'm a CA in Australia, which is equivalent of a CPA over in the States. Worked at Deloitte and Ernst & Young back in Australia and had decided that I wanted to sort of broaden my horizons within the financial world. I actually had a stint at Goldman Sachs, investment banking, learn a lot, but kind of decided that that world wasn't for me and had a good stint working within sort of strategy consulting. And I think it really set me up well in terms of technical skills, a broad range of financial sort of capabilities and understanding. And then I decided to sort of move over to the States most of my mentors had lived and worked overseas and you know, a lot of Australians naturally kind of moved to London and I had an opportunity to come over to the States and start running finance and strategy for an experiential agency. They do a lot of the experiential for Google and Nike across the States, which was a really cool opportunity. And from there, I was actually exposed to a lot of the growth of the gaming space. I had a stint running finance and strategy for a production company, Madison and Vine, and then moved to FaceClan. And there was a lot of crossover, right? The production company I was at, they did a lot of short-form content. And for those that are familiar with the gaming space will understand the power of sort of short-form content in this space. But yeah, I was introduced to the guys of Phase around, I guess, you know, five, six years ago now. And yeah, the rest is kind of history. That was kind of my entry point into gaming. It's Quite funny, I'm not a gamer myself. My wife actually bought a PS5 and she beats me at nearly everything. <laughs> I, I don't play many video games, but I, I definitely have a real understanding of this space and a real appreciation of it and for it, and that's kind of been my 
sort of you know evolution, which has been you know background very much in kind of finance and strategy, which has led me all the way to Phase Clan and the gaming industry, and more importantly, now obviously launching kind of Game Square and and our growth to where we sit today. Yeah, exactly. So you have a similar background to a lot of successful entrepreneurs. People tend to think it's a kid in a hoodie when it's really like somebody who understands the nuts and the bolts of business has a great idea and a great team in place. So yeah, you mentioned FaZe Clan and the company. Was that your foray into entrepreneurship or what was the first like step off the ledge from a nice corporate job? I guess I've been an entrepreneur from a young age. My brother and I actually owned a couple of bars in Melbourne in Australia. So I actually... It was a pretty busy time for me. I was playing Australian football at a a very competitive level and I was working at the time at Ernst & Young doing a traineeship. I was studying and I was launching my first bar at the age of 20. So had a fair bit on my plate, but it was really interesting, right, because he has a lot of hospitality expertise and was running the bar, but I was doing the books and using some of those finance sort of skills and having – skin in the game and building something yourself and understanding the risks of doing so and the pressures that come along with that is really valuable. And I guess, yeah, I mean, from a pure professional standpoint, to me, my job since I came to the States, I'd moved kind of out of professional services and decided that I wanted to build and create. And I'd done that since I've been over here in America and helping sort of raise money in early stage businesses and I think taking kind of risks to help grow these businesses is is very entrepreneurial. So I would say probably the last eight years of my career has been much more slanted towards that and and less professional services. But very glad that I had that time in professional services to build up technical skills and capability to be able to go out and sort of take some of these calculated risks and start to build. For sure. That's a phrase I love, calculator risk. So GameSquare Holdings just went through a major acquisition of a TSX V listed company called Engine Gaming and Media. I'd like to know about GameSquare before the acquisition and where did it come from? What was the genesis? Who's the founder? How did you get involved? Yeah, absolutely. So GameSquare was born out of a merchant bank. I was in the process of leaving FaZe Clan about two and a half years ago now and had a few sort of different opportunities. What I really wanted to do, I'd seen how big the opportunity was in the space and I really wanted to build out my own entity, which was focused very much on connecting global brands with these huge fan bases. And it sounds simple, but it's challenging in this space because advertisers struggle to reach fans at scale because of privacy restrictions and because of how fragmented the gaming industry is. And my time at FaZe gave me incredible experience, but I also saw that an esports org and even FaZe is a little bit more than an esports org, they have a huge audience, but even a brand like a FaZe clan that has such a large audience, there is only so much inventory and so many categories you can have as a standalone org. So there are limitations there. So my whole ethos was around building a media agency asset that connects brands and fans with unlimited inventory, high margin, high scalable business. I was introduced through my banker at the time. I was introduced to guys at GameSquare. They were very, very early days. They'd done an RTO in October of 2020. So 
the way I look at it is 2021 was really year one, 2022, year two, and obviously we're partway through year three, and I'll kind of talk you to where we are today and where we're headed. So I came in as an advisor for a few months to kind of feel things out and then was announced as chief executive officer in January of 21. So I've been the CEO for you know two and a bit years now. When I came in, obviously headquartered out of Canada, had done an RTO onto the CSE, so the Canadian Stock Exchange, with an influencer agency, Code Red, who's still a part of the group today, doing really annualized revenue of around three million bucks, a pretty small. And I went and raised some capital and got to work. So over the past kind of two years, pre-engine transaction, and then we'll talk post, had grown the business. We just released our financial results for 2022. So took it from 3 million to 28 million in revenue in really two calendar years. And we've given guidance as a standalone entity. So prior to the engine transaction of 45 to 50 million in revenue. So you can see they're really exponential growth. 2020 was really a year of building. It was acquiring, it was bringing in big talent, bringing in big athletes. It was really building out the business model of this end-to-end platform. 2022 was more about optimization. It continued, obviously, growth, but less acquisition and really proving out that the model works. And I think we've done that. And now it's really about scale. So prior to the engine transaction, we had really three main segments. Again, we have competitors in each of the three, but we don't have a competitor from an end-to-end offering standpoint. And I'll kind of explain what that actually means in a moment. And now with Engine, we have four segments. So it's just building out our offering on this end-to-end platform. So if you're a brand entering this ecosystem, you're a brand and you understand how powerful this space is and all the stats will point to that. These audience sizes are enormous and they're growing every day. Over one-third of the world's population games in some form online, and it's very fragmented, so hard to reach. So it's a huge opportunity for brands. A brand enters the ecosystem, and GameSquare has this end-to-end offering within the three segments. We have one is our gaming and esports segment where we have a huge audience so we can help brands directly connect with fans through traditional sponsorships of our esports teams, jerseys, on our buildings, live events, tournaments, merchandise, content. We've signed Tim the Tatman, one of the largest gamers in the world. We've recently signed Ninja, which we can touch on in a little bit as well. Obviously partnered with the Dallas Cowboys. We launched the first ever athlete gaming division. So a lot of inventory packed within that gaming and esports space, but also, and most importantly, gives us access to audience and authenticity in the space. Our second and third categories, I think, are really important here because that first category is similar to a phase. We don't have to get the profitability with complexity. We're very much on a path to it, but it's somewhat of a marketing expense because we built this end-to-end platform that can monetize audience, and I think that's really key. The second part of it's media and agencies. So we have Code Red that I touched on, an influencer agency in the UK. We have Zoned, which is a strategy and creative agency in North America. They work really closely with Converse, HyperX, Epic Games, and work on some incredible activations with Epic. They helped do the activation around putting the Patrick Mahomes skin in Fortnite, and we ran an event at the Super Bowl, a TwitchCon party, and really involved with Epic and all of their large cultural moments. And we have a media and marketing agency, GCN, who work with you know, on these bigger campaigns. So think of these sort of 
RFPs that have grown from, you know, $500,000 to now north of a million dollars and they're getting larger and they're coming in greater quantities because brands realize this is where they need to spend to connect with the audience. GCN's secret source is that not only do they create bespoke campaigns for brands, but they have a media network of 75 endemic sites that reach 115 million eyeballs every month. So why that's important, and we spoke about a fragmented nature of this space, we can go to a brand and say, you know, build out a strategy for them in this space. You want to reach this audience. Not only here's your strategy to do so, we can provide you with all of the talent in-house, but we're also going to guarantee you a certain level of engagement through our media network. So we're guaranteeing you eyeballs. The third stream is our creative services. We have a content studio in LA called Fourth Frame, and we have a merchant consumer product business mission supply. Both the heads of those businesses I took from FaZe Clan. They helped build FaZe into what it was in terms of this cultural phenomenon. And now not only do we service the big brands that we work with in our group and our talent and complexity, but we also work with the rest of the industry. So we work with other esports orgs. I often get the question, you know, aren't you concerned about competition? And the answer is, frankly, no. You know, there's a lot of audience here and if we can get paid on the way to creating quality content and quality merch within the industry, it's a win-win. Yeah, it's just incredible. The growth profile, the revenue profile, everything you touch, how many people you touch. And that leads us to the funding story that's on everybody's mind today, how hard it is to get funded. Can you tell us a little about what capital options will look like? I know you said they were already a public company when you came on officially as CEO. How did you weigh public versus private? And yeah, we'll talk about that. I had a a few different kind of options when I was leaving Face to sort of build this out. One of the reasons I was attracted to this opportunity was the fact that it was public. Obviously, look, there's no doubt that public markets have been pretty tough in recent times and definitely an interesting time to come into that world, you know, microcap tech with what we've gone through over the past 24 months. But I'm really proud of the way we built this business through very tough times from a market standpoint. And I think that we have been somewhat of an outlier in terms of our ability to monetize. And now the opportunity here for us to get to profitability, get to revenue scale, which we very much see in our near future, I think the share appreciation will come. In normalized markets, I think that there's huge upside, right? Obviously in liquidity, but also because this is such a newer industry, the opportunities for companies that are private, right, that maybe don't have access to liquidity or capital to be able to acquire them, bring them in to our model that was built and make multiples on them in the public market, help us get to scale, help us get to profitability. I think the upside there is huge. Now, as I sit here today, if I knew everything that had gone on, I may have gone the private route, not public for sure, but I'm happy we've kind of gone the way we have and that we've sort of weathered the storm through some pretty tough times And I think we're really well positioned here for future growth to come out the other side of it as an outlier for the industry. There's been some names in this industry that have gone through some pretty tough times in public markets for sure. But I think we'll continue to see consolidation in this industry. It's Mm. early days. So in terms of funding, we've done a number of different sort of raises, number of different acquisitions, some mixes of cash and stock, but more so stock. And that's really how we like to do deals is to bring in companies that believe in our story and our future and what we're building. 
obviously when you look up Game Square or start to dig into it, you'll probably see the you know, Jones family and Jerry Jones and the Cowboys sort of very closely linked. I'd say that John Goff, so the Goff family, who's another billionaire Texan family, and Jerry Jones have been incredibly supportive of what we're building and continue to be, not only with capital, which is obviously you know, very helpful and <laughs> helps investors when you see guys of that have achieved what they've achieved and taken risks and really, you know, that quote of you know, skate to where the puck is, they've done that consistently. Yep. Gives people a lot of confidence in what we're building, which you need, right, in an industry that is new and when you are innovating. So that's been really helpful. But also on top of that, just their advice and the access part of our deal. You know, we have a commercial relationship with the Cowboys. We've just launched Cowboys Game Time with one of our agencies and an area that we think will be huge for growth within our business, the industry, and potentially something that we can roll out, you know, to traditional sports teams across the world. Yeah. And that leads me into my next question. You know, not everybody has the luxury of having a relationship with the Jones family office and the Goff family office. How did that come about? Were they helpful in the strategic acquisition of engine gaming and media? And what was the genesis of ultimately that acquisition? I'd love to sit here today and say I perfectly planned out each of these acquisitions and built this exactly how I want The reality is that I had a vision to build this platform. My vision was more around media and agency, which is obviously a large part of the business, but I'll say that I had no interest in acquiring an esports org. And that's no sort of slight at FaZe. I learned so much from FaZe and I believe very much in the upside of esports. But I do think that there was some challenges within that. And my whole focus was I'm going to be the first to get to profitability and adding in you know, profitable agencies and media. I can get there. The best thing we did was acquire complexity in terms of access to audience and building this platform around this kind of legacy gaming and esports brand. It was without a doubt the best acquisition I did that we've made. And we now have the benefit in the future and the upside of esports, but we have the ability to monetize through sort of other, you know, this vertically integrated kind of platform, right? The reason I say that is because you know, Travis Goff, who's the president of Golf Capital, called me, we got on a call, and I just really wasn't interested. I said no to him a number of times, <laughs> and it was funny because I was obviously understanding that Jerry was involved, the Cowboys were involved, but my hesitation was like, do we really get access? And if he's kind of selling this to us, what is his and their kind of strategy around the future of this space? And all of those pieces, so I was skeptical, and they flew me out to Texas and spent some time here. And the facility here that I'm sitting in today is world-class when it comes to gaming. It's within the star. If any of your listeners have been to Frisco, the headquarters here that the Cowboys have are just incredible. There's you know, 30 restaurants and bars and you know, there's high school football games and all sorts of events and functions. We've got the Country Music Awards here, I think, in the next couple of weeks. There's always things going on. And, you know, came out here, was incredibly impressed by what they built, incredibly impressed by the way they've gone about building their brand as a standalone esports org. And really, they just loved what we had built and wanted to combine, right? One plus one equals six. And I realized that more and more the time I spent with them. I had lunch and Stephen Jones was there and John Goff and they sat me in between them. And, you know, I thought they were pitching me and it felt like a job interview halfway through, but we did the deal. As part of the deal, I wanted to kind of understand our access to the Cowboys, which... To sit here today, 
20 months on or whatever we are, I'm completely blown away by like the access that we've had, whether it is helping sign Tim the Tatman, doing shoots with Ninja, being involved in the engine transaction, and we'll get to that in a moment, suites at games, host investors, one-on-one time, being mentors, really building out gaming strategy, working together on content. It's been incredible. Like Their support has just been truly unbelievable. Got to fly with John Goff recently to the bell ringing. Having John there was just great, right? He is such a iconic kind of businessman in these parts. And for those listeners that don't know, I mean, he's a, every bit as impressive as Jerry Jones, just obviously not as public. But yeah, having their sports been incredible. I think the access is sort of unparalleled. They've participated in every financing that we've done. They put in more money when we did the transaction to show that they believe in what we're doing. This isn't a take the asset and fix it type scenario at all. So, yeah, they've been incredibly hands-on and will continue to be and couldn't speak more highly of one that acquisition or two, their involvement. Getting to sort of the engine piece, yeah, they've been really helpful. I mean, Tom Walker, who's the CFO of the Dallas Cowboys and the Jones Family Trust, sits on our board. He's the head of our audit committee. I've got to sit down with Tom on Friday to run through some things. Travis Goff, who's president of Goff Capital, is also on the board. So Travis and I speak multiple times a week. He understands the space. He's very interested in the space, which helps. It's a passion area for him. He's always looking at new opportunities and acquisitions and deals. So having him so actively involved is a huge advantage. They were really helpful. We had the engine guys out you know when we're in negotiations for dinner at the Cowboys club Jerry's private club and you know things like that <laughs> I mean they always help right and yes you know, Stephen Jones came by to say good day and spend a bit of time so really helpful and I think look overall the engine transaction for us helps us achieve a lot of medium to longer term goals in the short term and that is getting to revenue scale expanding margin getting to profitability you know we are very bullish. We've said it publicly of getting to profitability by the back part of this year. We haven't given guidance yet, but both Engine and ourselves have said that publicly and that's not going to change. It gave us a major listing. The CSE was great in terms of it's a very commercial exchange, acquisition friendly. So that was great, but there are limitations. And so to be now listed on the TSX and NASDAQ with the stock ticker game, GAME, gives us access to more eyeballs. And I think as people start to see and hear the story, they'll start to understand what we're building. And it's been an interesting time for the industry for sure. But I think we feel really good about how we're positioned as a combined entity, what Engine does for our value offering, adding in kind of data analytics, tools, and influencer platform there's so many clear synergies we were already a client of both but to continue to kind of be accountable to brands when it comes to data and eyeballs and roi these are things that have really been missing i think in this space and we want to be a market leader in those areas so you know we have repeat business and we can really scale this thing so that's sort of adding to our offering so adding in that fourth tier being data analytics the, the listing, absolutely, in terms of more eyeballs and, and really getting to scale. 
we're certainly happy to have you on the premier stock exchange in all of Canada. And that leads me to my next question. I know it's been short term, but you have a lot of new Canadian investors. How has the, the outreach been, the feedback, any plans to travel to Toronto or anywhere in Canada? Yeah, I think I'm quasi-Canadian. We, funnily enough, you know, I've had a lot of exposure to Canadian investors since my time at FaZe. We actually, I was introduced to Mike Kogan at Canaccord and when I was at FaZe at a meeting in LA and he and I actually went on a roadshow and raised a bunch of money for FaZe Clan and he and I have stayed in contact ever since and he was the banker I was talking about that actually introduced me to GameSquare originally. So obviously... I've had a pretty sort of extensive experience and relationship, I'd say, with Canadian investors in this space. We were pretty early days in terms of raising money on Bay Street in this industry. And then GameSquare, I mean, really a lot of our early investors are Canadian and still remain to be to this day. So, yeah, definitely. I don't have anything booked at the moment, but we'll definitely be getting back to Canada. I was in Toronto last year. Leonard Fournette, who's the running back for the Tampa Bay Bucks, Lenny and I actually flew to Toronto and presented together last year at the Collision Conference. We've been talking a little bit this year whether that's happening for us again or not. We're kind of working out some of our athlete availability. So that's a possibility. Our head of sales for Complexity on the East Coast, we have a, a bit of a New York presence, but she's actually based in Toronto. So she was the one of the sort of market leaders for Twitch in Canada. So we're able to bring her across and she's a superstar. So, yeah, I mean, we have a great relationship with Canada and with our Canadian investors and very much wanting that to continue. Yeah, exactly. As an American who works for TSX, the Toronto Stock Exchange, I do business development down in Texas. We try to tell the story of how you could access growth capital, how you could go public at an earlier stage. And you touched on a lot of ideas why. Um, the public markets, it's a very bright light, but it's less bright in Canada. The markets go up and down, but it's still the largest pool of capital out there versus the private world. And then you touched on it. We like to pitch smaller companies. Use your shares as currency to buy other companies and grow your EBITDA that way. And that's really the pitch we give to the companies. And one last thing, with the recent acquisition, your incredible strategic partners with Lenovo and the addition of Tyler Blevins, we touched on, aka Ninja, as the chief innovation officer, you're totally disrupting the industry. In fact, maybe creating a new strategic siloed industry. What's next for GameSquare Holdings? Innovation is absolutely key. I think you'll continue to see us innovating and building out our publisher relationships. And I think it's really about integrating in the engine assets quickly and efficiently, which I think we're doing really well. I think you'll start to see a lot of costs coming off the balance sheet and continuing to really scale revenue. For us, it's about going to market as GameSquare. So we're doing a lot of work around our brand architecture. You know, we have obviously a talk through kind of the sum of the parts and there's some great assets in there, but the real key to scale and to innovation is becoming agency of record for these publishers, for these large brands. You know, you spoke about Lenovo. Lenovo is a customer of complexity, but now touches three of the entities in our business. We have Epic Games, really, you know, to me, the forefront really of Web3 and such an impressive game publisher with what they do with, you know, Unreal Engine and obviously Fortnite and the list goes on. But in terms of you know our relationship with Engine and touching multiple touch points within our business, I think taking those opportunities to scale and multi-year relationships is how we go to the next level. It's about getting really efficient. And it's about 
projects like Ninja Labs, which are new ways of looking at your relationship with talent. I think we can all start to see what this consumer economy looks like, right, with Mr. Beast, Logan Paul, with Prime Energy Drink, and what they've been able to do with some of these consumer products. It's great to do these brand deals and have key people and LIP promoting their brands, but creating our own. And that's very much this birthplace of Ninja Labs and what we were able to do with the Tatman tailgate last year, which we won an award for and I think has been submitted in to Khan Line this year around the best new gaming esports event. It's co-owning IP with these really large talent, which is this new consumer economy to really scale, right? And I think Ninja Labs, we've got a bunch of really interesting projects coming up on that front, which is building out programs for the next generation of coders, streamers, editors, education around this space and inclusiveness, building out maps in Fortnite and a really interesting sort of Web3 strategy and play, different creator networks that we can really aggregate now with you know Sidekick, the access to data at Streamhatchet, creating our own consumer products with some of these big talent and, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, there's a number of large projects, I think, also obviously with the Cowboys and the initiative we've just launched there. I think the opportunity that we have that sits at the integration of kind of traditional sport and entertainment and gaming is huge. So we're really excited. I think you'll start to see us get really efficient, get some really big wins on the board and really scale this thing. That's incredible. Just an incredible company, incredible growth projectile, incredible CEO. Thank you for listening to TMX Podcast. And thank you, Justin, for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to TMX Presents, the podcast, and thank you, Justin, for joining us. For more information on TSX and the TSX Venture Exchange as a capital option for U.S. companies, visit us.tsx.com. And for more insights from capital markets leaders and my colleagues, please visit tmx.com slash POV.